right, well, the song we just sang, I, I do love that song. Uh, we sang a phrase, said, our call to war to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And uh, that's really what we've been talking about this year on Sunday nights, uh, as speaking truth to our families and uh, loving them enough to share the truth. And so uh, it's easy to get wrapped up in the day-to-day and uh, lose perspective on spiritual realities. And so I hope tonight, uh, as we look at the text together, uh, that you can be encouraged like I have been uh, to be reminded of those spiritual realities and the war that we're in and uh, have our armor on first uh, as we go on to uh, effectively help others. Well, when I was uh, 10 years old, uh, I moved from inner city Cincinnati to the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. And when I lived in Cincinnati, me and my friends, we uh, came up with ways to have fun by playing kickball or foursquare or going to McDonald's to the play place. And that was kind of our form of entertainment during those early years. Well, when I moved to Kentucky, the entertainment changed pretty drastically. Uh, They were into four-wheeling and playing in the woods and fishing, and uh, that was not what I was accustomed to. And so early on in those those teen years, uh, I was asked, uh, they said, hey, this weekend we are going to go into the woods and we are going to have a game of paintball. Have you ever played paintball? And I was like, I've never played anything close to paintball, but I want to be your friend and I want to fit in, and so sign me up. Let's play some paintball. And so they said, yeah, you can go to Kmart, pick out some guns, pick out some things in this section uh, back in the back, and, um, and come next weekend and we can play. And so I got all excited, told my mom, and she was like, all right, well, we can go to Kmart and pick out something. So I go to the back and find a $20 gun and, and some CO2 tanks and, and a box of paintballs, and I was ready for battle, or so I thought, until I showed up to the paintball fight, and these guys have helmets on and chest protection and CO2 tanks on their guns that were bigger than my gun. And so uh, my little gun was a single shot, you know, had to pump it for every shot, and they've got $300 automatic weapons, you know, and I did not stand a chance. Uh, you could imagine how that day went for me. Uh, it, was, it didn't take long that I was in no threat, and it didn't take long before I uh, was surrendering, right? Uh, as though... Um, In the letter of Ephesians, okay, Paul warns believers of a spiritual battle that we are in every single day. And the truth is, unless we have the right equipment on, we have no chance for success, and we will be destroyed by the enemy. And so, a familiar passage to most of us, but if you got your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we will start in verse 10. Ephesians chapter Chapter 6, verse 10, Paul writes to the believers in Ephesus, and he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So right out of the gate, we see you are not going to succeed in this war in your own strength. He says to be strong in the Lord, and that does not involve building up your own strength. That word strong there is actually a passive word. It's actually something that that happens to you. Believers can't strengthen themselves. They've got to be strengthened by a strength that belongs to someone else. Uh, That that word strong is actually the same word that we see in Philippians 4.13. that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it could 
actually better be read as to be strengthened in the Lord. Your strength, my strength, is of no good in spiritual warfare. That's why Jesus could say in John 15, without me you can do nothing. That wasn't just hyperbole, he really meant it. We can do nothing. But positioned in the Lord, we have all the power that we need to overcome the enemy. And so in Christ, we can be strong in the power of God's might. And he's got all strength, right? And we can have that strength. We have access to God's strength. Now, we know that to be true. We know that we're weak. Um, but in order to experience the strength of the Lord, we have, to, we have to actually acknowledge that weakness daily, right? We have no strength to overcome temptation. We have no strength in of ourselves to live like Jesus. We have no strength to do any eternal good. We're no match for the attacks of Satan. We sang about it tonight in the first uh, congregational song, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, Stand in His Strength Alone. We've experienced this. The arm of flesh will fail us. We dare not trust our own. Okay? Well, I recognize I'm weak. I know I need God's strength. I've asked Him for it. Let go and let God. Right? But that doesn't seem to be working. Uh, I don't feel very victorious. Well, let's look at the next verse. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So to be strong is passive. However, in order to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his, night, in the power of his might, we do have a responsibility. Um, put on is not passive. That requires action from us. Uh, we can't just sit on our hands and expect naturally to be strong in God's might. And so this call isn't a call to increase our strength. He says in the, in the text there, it is a call to put on God's armor. And so it is armor that God himself has provided for us. Uh, Pastor Brent mentioned this verse already tonight, but 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God's armor, his weapons themselves, they have spiritual power over the enemy. And we have access to that armor. And so we've got to put on, we've got to actively put on God's armor if we are going to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we must be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might, but we do have a, responsib a responsibility to actually put on this armor or we are not going to stand a chance. Well, the end of verse 11, it tells us, why, do, why are we to put on the whole armor of God? So that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. But what are his wiles? That's not a word I use too often, but uh, wiles is, is his schemes, his strategies. and we, So we have to understand, what, what is Satan trying to do? What are his strategies? What are his schemes? And 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us we've got to be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, he's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We are to be aware be on guard because he is seeking to devour us, to destroy us. And someone that isn't covered in God's armor will be devoured. Well, how does he destroy us? How does he devour us? Well, we know from John 8, we get a description of what Satan is up to. He's a murderer from the beginning. He wants to destroy, he wants to kill. He abode, he abode not in the truth. There is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, 
He is a liar and the father of it. That's what he does. He lies. He is deceptive. He's the father of lies. This has been his strategy since the beginning of human history. You remember back in Genesis 3, familiar to us, right? But the first recorded words of Satan through the serpent was, did God really say? He says, yeah, God said if we eat of the tree in the midst of the garden, we will die. Satan says, you won't die. That's a pretty blatant lie. Uh, you're not going to die. Well, what happens? The woman saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant for the eyes. It was a tree to be desired to make one wise. She takes of the fruit. She eats it, gives it to Adam as well. Eve's, Eve's own feelings, her reasoning, her desires, it kind of lined up with what Satan was deceiving her with, right? Uh, God was trying to keep something from her. But what was true? Romans tells us one man, by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. What was the truth? If you eat, you will die. That was the truth, and Satan lied. Fellowship with God was broken, and believing that lie is the result of every pain, sickness, death, curse that everyone that has ever lived on this planet has experienced because they believed that lie. Satan is a liar. He, it's who he is, it's what he does, and we do not possess the strength in it of ourselves to stand against his deception. We're not, we don't have the strength. Verse 12, uh, in Ephesians 6, as we go on, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, we recognize that this battle it's a spiritual war. It's, it's not a physical battle. It is a spiritual war. One pastor said it like this, Pastor Garrett Kell. He said, Christian warfare consists of a spiritual strategy fought with supernatural weapons against an unseen enemy. That's what we're up against. And the wickedness that we see in our world, evil being called good, good being called evil, even the, the passion of our own sinful desires at times, we've got to re recognize we are not fighting against physical agendas, physical forces, and, and just own personal agendas. Kind of think through human history a little bit, some of the uh, most egregious things that maybe we could think of. You think of Hitler and the Holocaust, or those that were behind the attacks of 9-11. Uh, uh, there is much more going on there than just a misplaced faith and personal agendas. That is, that is fueled by, by demonic the attack of the family that we see in our culture the sanct and the attack on the sanctity of life, that's not just random, right? The depravity that we see is because we are wrestling against powerful, evil, deceptive, demonic rulers of this world, according to verse 12. And so, uh, the lost are deceived. And we got to be honest, without the unearned grace of Christ in our lives, we would be right there with them. We would be deceived as well, but thank God he's chosen to give us spiritual sight. And to, and to allow us to have the weapons to stay protected from this deception. So, uh, this, was, this was Paul's, uh, God's reason for saving Paul. You think back to, to Paul on the road to Damascus. Acts 26. Jesus appears to Paul and he says, rise, stand on thy feet, for I have appeared to thee for this purpose. Paul, this is not, this, these aren't your plans. I'm appearing to you for this purpose. Why? To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that you may receive forgiveness of sins. Our mission isn't to tell other people to, to be better, 
to try harder, to be stronger. They do not have the strength. But our mission is to point them to Jesus, point them to the one who does have strength, right, who has opened our eyes. The gospel of Jesus is that power of God to salvation. There is no plan B, and that is God's way of opening blinded eyes. And so we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There is something much bigger going on. We have to recognize that. So let's continue. Ephesians 6, verse 13. Because of this, because we don't have strength, because we are wrestling against a really powerful enemy that we do not have the chance to stand up in our own power, he says, verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. This is our goal. We, we want to be left standing. Uh, we don't want to be devoured. We don't want our kids to be devoured. We want our kids to stand. We want our family to stand. And the only way that that is possible is by putting on the armor of God. That is the only way that we can stand against these attacks. So, what is this armor that we're talking about? I know this is familiar to us, uh, but let's look at it in verse 14. He says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, it's, it's easy to think that Paul got his inspiration as he was writing this passage, obviously by inspired by the Holy Spirit, but, but we would kind of think, okay, well, he's getting his imagery from a, a Roman soldier. He's obviously spent time around them as he was in house arrest and in prison. He knew what a soldier looked like. And although I know that played a part, um, Paul had seen reference to this armor before. He actually knew someone that didn't just put on a physical helmet, that actually wore the helmet of salvation. Um, he was obviously familiar with the Old Testament and the prophecies of someone who would wear this armor that we're talking about. For sake of time, I won't have you turn to all these, but in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5, speaking of one that would come, it says, and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness, or truth, the girdle of his reins. There was one who was coming who would wear righteousness. He would be clothed in truth. Isaiah 59 says, he, put on a righteous, he puts on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. He's clothed in righteousness and salvation. Also in Isaiah 52, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publishes peace. Psalm 5, 12, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Isaiah 49, 2, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. All the pieces of God's armor, they are found in Christ himself. All of them, every single one. The belt of truth. John 14, 6 tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We know we are in a world where everyone has their own truth. Feelings are ultimate reality in, in our culture, in this postmodern world. But what Jesus says, and what he thinks, is true. And it is objective reality, regardless of if we believe it or not. 2 Timothy 2.13 if we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Truth does not change based on how I feel. So, 
Let's take a vote. How many of you believe in the law of gravity? All right. You believe in the laws of gravity. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to assume that you believe in the laws of gravity. However, I'm going to say for sake of argument tonight that I do not. Uh, I do not believe in the laws of, of gravity. I am glad that works for you. I really am. Um, but I don't see things that way. And what's true for you does not make it true for me. Well, we all know what would happen to me if I were to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. I would go splat, right? And the reality of gravity is going to become super apparent very quickly. My mom taught it to me like this. She said, let's say we are reading the Bible and we come to a verse that says birds cannot fly. Okay, that's not in the Bible, but let's imagine that it is. Well, the Bible says birds can't fly. Um, well, that can't be true. That must have been a translation error. There, there's something wrong there. Well, how can that be true? Well, if the Bible were to say that birds can't fly, then either what I'm calling a bird is not actually a bird, or what that bird is doing is not actually flying. If we're going to know what is true, we've got to see the world as Jesus sees it. And so we've got to reorient our thinking on the foundation of what Jesus has said to be true. We must put on the belt of truth. The second one, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, Paul could be talking about the imputed righteousness of Jesus that's given to our account, and that is one of my favorite truths, most glorious truth. But since he talks later on in the armor of God about the helmet of salvation, it doesn't appear that he would double up on that, right? Um, so I think he's actually talking about our actual righteousness. And it's not the righteousness that we possess. We're, that's filthy rags. But the righteousness of Jesus produced in us and through us, the active righteousness that we live out as new creatures, right? Well, Paul has already talked about the importance of living righteously and letting sin go unconfessed in Ephesians chapter 4. So just a couple chapters before, in the same context, he's talking in verse 24 of chapter 4, and he says that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, and he says, put away lying, Speak every man truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. Be ye angry. Sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Also translate, translated as give no opportunity to the devil. Here's the reality of what he's just taught us. When we live our lives with unrepented and unconfessed sin, whatever that may be, it gives a place for the demonic to have influence in our lives. We cannot be possessed by Satan as, as believers, but we can be influenced. And it's important to recognize that when we sin, we can never say, oh, that, the devil made me do that, right? That's exactly what Eve tried to do in the garden to justify her disobedience. But we wrestle with our own sinful flesh and our own desires, but in some way, Satan can actually fuel the fire of our own, our own sinful lust. Uh, if you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira, they sell that piece of land. And they conspired to tell the apostles that they sold it for a certain amount. And they were giving all the money to the church. But they lied. They, they lied about the, the amount, lied about the number, and they kept some for themselves. And Peter says to them, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? They obviously had their own sinful desire, maybe for the praise of men or just for greed or whatever it was. But they gave opportunity to the devil, and he targeted that. He began to make this decision more appealing. He began to lie to them about 
the seriousness of lying to the Holy Spirit. He filled their heart with lies. And we've already said that Satan is, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, we've got to put on righteousness and confess our sins, keep short sin accounts with God, or else we are going to give the devil leverage, and he's going to fan the fire of our own flesh. So we must put on righteousness. We must obey our uh, Obey Christ and his word. And then the shoes of the gospel peace. Okay, If you're a sports fan, you've probably heard this phrase, that the best defense is a good offense. Um, well, here's the truth of the matter. We have not been enlisted in this army just for survival. right? Just to play defense the whole time. Part of our defense is to stay on mission. And we've been called to join in the building of God's kingdom, what he's doing. And so this isn't a call just for pastors and for missionaries. Every believer must put on the whole armor of God. And so whether you work in finance or you work in the medical field or you are a mechanic, you've been called to engage in gospel advancement. And if you don't, you are going to find an area of your life where you want to build your own personal kingdom. And so we must stay on gospel mission as part of the protection of God's armor. And then shield of faith as we go through. Where does faith come from? We know the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our faith does not grow by looking within. Uh, Satan, he would love nothing more for us to look at our, our own shortcomings, our own sin. He would love for us to try to battle him in our own strength. But as we look at the glory of Jesus and who he is, our faith grows because he's trustworthy. Uh, faith, it is really only as strong as its object. The terrorists that, that flew the planes into the World Trade Centers, they had some really strong faith. But their faith was in a lie. Every single book of the, the New Testament, Justin Peters mentioned this uh, a couple weekends ago when he was with us, every single book of the New Testament, except for Philemon, deals with false teaching. It's a really important topic, and much of those false teaching was error on who Jesus was and what he had did. And so Paul, he says, that's really important. To know that if Christ isn't risen, our faith is in vain. But Jesus is risen. And, we, and when we see who Jesus is and what he has said, we walk in faith as we remind ourselves of what is actually true. The next one, the helmet of salvation. It says, above all, put on this helmet of salvation. I think he says this is the most important, above all, because if Satan can get us to doubt our salvation, to doubt our position in Christ, then the rest of this falls apart. You're not going to stand. If you're trusting in your own righteousness, your own morality, you're comparing yourself with other sinners that are worse than you, you're building your house on sand, and when the storms come, that is not going to stand to the attacks of Satan, which is why we must preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. Wake up in the morning and, and, and recognize that there is nothing that you can do today to make God love you any more. And there is nothing that you can do today to make God love you any less. we got to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. And then we come to the, the final one, the sword of the spirit, the war, word of God. And why is this important? Well, this Christian warfare, what we've seen so far, this is a battle of our minds. This is a battle for the way that we think. It is Every one of that is connected to what we think to be true and what we believe which is why it's so important that we study the Word of God. I know as a, as a teenager, I would often 
think that I needed to study God's word because, you know, maybe God would love me more if I, if I gave him some time in my day. Or maybe you're, you're tempted to think, you know, if you start your day spending time in God's word, it's just going to kind of give you some magical favor on the, the plans that you have for the day. Um, that's not why we are to spend time in the, in the word of God. God has chosen to reveal himself and reveal what is true through the pages of a book. And we got to know what it says. John 14, 26. Why is it so important? Jesus said, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. He's going to bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. We've got to know God's word so the Holy Spirit can remind us of what is true when the attacks come. And so, the call to put on the armor of God, it really is a call to put on Jesus Christ. Put on Christ. Jesus himself wore this armor. Jesus alone is completely sufficient for every one of our spiritual battles. Which leaves us with this thought. Okay, I can put a belt on. That makes sense. I, I know how to do that. I can put on a helmet, a physical helmet. That makes sense. How do I put on truth? How do I put on righteousness? What does this actually look like when we wake up tomorrow? Well, I think it's what Paul has been saying in the whole context of Ephesians. What is, the, what is the context of this passage? What has he been talking about? What is he emphasizing? Well, let me just read some verses in Ephesians that we're familiar with most of them. But right out of the gate in chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Chapter 2, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world. You walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You walked in deception and in lies. But what happened? Verse 4, thank God, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he's quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Later on in the chapter, verse 11, wherefore remember, ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, at that time you were without Christ, you were strangers from the covenant of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar, were far off, you were made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3. Because of what Christ has done for us, what is Paul's prayer for these believers? His prayer was that, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Chapter 4. This I say therefore and I testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. They've got their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and you've been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lies. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do we put on righteousness? How do we put on truth? Paul has been emphasizing the gospel. He says we've been redeemed. We've been saved from deception. He says in Colossians he has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. It involves renewing your mind. It involves thinking and believing the truth about the gospel, about who Jesus is, and about what he has said. 
One pastor summarized Paul's message like this. He said, make Jesus the Lord of your mind, your heart, your habits, your feet. Know his word, saturate yourself with the gospel, and you have victory over the demonic. This has been the experience of everyone since the garden. God tells Noah, hey, build a boat. I'm going to flood the earth. You don't think Noah started hearing some lies? You're wasting your time. God isn't actually going to destroy the earth. There's no danger. Don't waste your life on this. You could be doing other stuff. You're missing out. You only got one life. You're going to spend it building a boat. God tells Abraham his family's going to grow larger than the number of stars in the heavens. You can't trust God. God helps those who help themselves. Your wife's too old. You're going to have to help him out. Your plans make much more sense than God's plans. David sees God being mocked by the Philistines. Goliath is huge. He will destroy you. Just stay out of the fight. You're an insignificant shepherd boy. God doesn't care to give you the victory. Three Hebrew children told to bow to a golden idol. What's the big deal? Don't make a scene. Make this all about yourself. God's going to understand if you compromise to avoid suffering. God wants you to be comfortable. Prodigal son leaves his father. He wastes his inheritance on sinful living. He's eating with pigs. The Bible tells he comes to himself. He wants to go back to his father. And I'm sure he heard lies. Your dad's ashamed of you. He doesn't want to see you. He's just spending time with his good boy, right? He's not thinking about you. But what was true? What was true? When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion. And he ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. His father had been waiting and longing for his return. Every single one of those thoughts were lies. Satan is a liar. And you recognize the battle that is taking place as you start to wrestle with thoughts that push you away from God and not to him. Maybe you hear some of those. Nobody cares about you. You don't matter. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. You know my down-sitting, my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. You compass this, my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Cast all your care upon him. He cares for you. Maybe God doesn't love you. I'm persuaded neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. Any other creature is going to be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You can't trust God. You're going to have to figure this out on your own. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, is going to keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. You sin too much. God isn't going to forgive you. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who's, who can stand? But with you, there is forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath God removed our transgressions from us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confess and forsakes them shall have mercy. When Satan tempts me to despair and he tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and I see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Our only strength in this battle is the truth of Jesus Christ revealed to us in his world. Spiritual problems, they need spiritual solutions. And, and church, I'm telling you, we've got everything that we need in the armor of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 4 says, You are of God, little children. You have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So how do we respond to this? To what we're saying tonight. Church, arise. Let's put our armor on. Hear the call of Christ, our captain. For now the weak 
can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given us. Shield of faith, belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's lies. An army bold whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Praise God for Jesus. Let's pray. God, we're, we're so thankful uh, that you've not left us to our own strength to, to fight the enemy. We're so thankful that you have brought us out of a life of deception and lies. You've given us spiritual understanding, not based on any of anything that we have done, but based on your good grace towards us, God. Thank you for what you've done in opening our eyes, giving us spiritual sight. Help us to remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel and, uh, and who you are each and every day so we can have the armor of God to, to fight this battle. And uh, I pray that we'll just run to the word. We will saturate our minds with your word, with your truth, and we'll just uh, glory in everything that you are. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.